welcome back. It's us. The Golden Ghouls. We're the Golden Ghouls. Alyssa. <laughs> Kylie. Emily. And it's time to get spooky. Ooh. I like the head nod before. Like, but one, two, Ka- go. Kylie always does that little head nod. Ooh. I, just, I gotta throw my body into it. So you can, That's for the full give it effect. the spirit. The exactly. The spirit I, that we've, that we're known for. Word. Right. It's right Come there. on, spirit, let's the hear wild, it. The wildcat. Woo! Damn, girl. I got scared. Oh, God. So what's up with you guys today? Honestly? Oh, what? Have Exorcisms. you been ex- you, you were exercised? No. Damn it. What's up with us? I've is- been joined a gym in a very long time. Oh, oh my bitch. Lord. <laughs> God bless. Possessions. That's what's on the menu, my guys. Cool. Yeah. Good thing that's what I researched. Have you ever <laughs> have you ever known anyone who was possessed? Good cue, good cue. I'm um, sure some like ex boyfriends of mine could exactly. say that I was possessed. No, I was gonna say they were possessed. Yeah, one hundred percent they were possessed. Because who couldn't like this piece? Am I right? The heart knows what it wants. <sighs> okay, no. <laughs> A demon. I've probably been possessed before, or Steve thought I was possessed at some point. Were you ever speaking gibberish? No. In his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, I, I think I, I think I've known people like in uh, elementary school, some the- little girls in third grade. They were definitely possessed. Why? They, uh, they just walked around with these demon eyes, just like that. Like, <laughs> Red, and they were, it was like almost robotic and calm how they would how they would mistreat the other girls what? in my class. Yeah, one time I saw this girl calmly put dust on another girl's head. Where'd you get the dust? On the ground. Gross. If dusty, that's dusty not ground. a demon, I don't know what is. It's bizarre. Yeah. Wow. Have you guys seen The Exorcist? Who I, fucking I hasn't? The classic film? I haven't seen it in a long time, but there's there's interesting things about that film too. <laughs> it's like, based on a true story. And like well, it's based you, on a book that's based on a true story. Did you to, know like several people died that made that movie? Yeah, and also there is a serial killer who had a role in that movie. What shit, dude. Um today Kylie asked if she could say exorcist with a lisp and I was oh. like, is there a significance to that? Because I thought that that was a part of the movie that I had just forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. But really <laughs> But really she was just <laughs> being yeah, funny. Thank God in the in the Exorcist they had a guy who couldn't say it right. <laughs> I felt so dumb. We will now perform the exorcist. <laughs> Right, and that was a running joke through the whole movie. God. <laughs> exactly. But I have a little a little story, story time, on the boy who inspired The Exorcist. Oh you guys want to hear it? Tell me. Got to cite my source. This fun site, allthatsinteresting.com. <laughs> this is the true story of Roland Doe that inspired... The film Another we know and love. Roland. I we talked about Roland, uh, Roland last episode. Did we? Yeah, Roland West. We think murdered Thelma Todd. Oh yeah. Huh. And wasn't Mariah's grandfather named Roland? Who the hell is Mariah? Our She's listener. Our oh, I thought you were thinking about Mariah Carey. I was <laughs> like, you know what? We have not talked about that woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, our friend Mariah, our right. friend of okay. the show. Very cool. Yeah, I think. 
sorry, correct us if that's Roland. incorrect. Maybe Ronald? Uh, Roland. Roland sounds better. Uh, yeah, we'll find out. Okay. So, well. in the picturesque Balnor neighborhood of St. Louis sits a beautiful colonial-style house on Roanoke Drive. Roanoke Drive. Mm-hmm. Girl, you send the scene. Mm-hmm. Meet, looks- me, meet me in St. Louis. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> so it looks normal on the outside. All brick exterior, white shutters, framing the windows, huge trees. Beautiful. You know, a very nice yard. Yet this is a location okay. of something very spooky. What? <laughs> this is the story, the true story of The Exorcist. So it began in the late 1940s uh. with a family named Hunkler. Ew. <laughs> Imagine having that last name. We Mrs. Must... Mrs. Hunkler. Yeah. I've heard worse last names. I think I like this one. Ah, oh, there goes Hunkler. Mrs. Hunkler again. <laughs> Break me off a hunk of that, am I right? Okay. Their 13-year-old boy, believed to be named Roland, uh, was despondent over the loss of his beloved Aunt Harriet. So Aunt Harriet was a spiritualist, and she had taught him many things, including how to use a Ouija board. So we, if Harriet was here today, we'd be getting down with her. Yeah, I for sure would. She was a cool chick. She's a fool for messing with the Ouija, but that's my personal opinion. Dude, we are going to mess with Ouija's for the rest of our lives. I don't think we should. Alyssa has been there, done that. (laughs) So in early January 1949, shortly after Aunt Harriet's death, Roland began to experience some strange things. So he heard scratching sounds coming from the walls and the floors. Um, Water was dripping from the pipes. A classic. Yeah. And then... Not my water bill. (laughs) Not my water bill. Yeah, 13-year-old Roland, very concerned about the water bill. Uh, The most troubling thing was that his mattress would suddenly move. Mm-hmm. So, like, what, what, like, like, just shift a little bit? I'm not, I'm not was sure it, the specifics, but it could do a shift. It could do a little shake. Okay. A little mm-hmm. roll. I don't, I'm not sure. But rolling with the rolling. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the hunklers were disturbed. Deeply disturbed by this mattress. I'm disturbed. Shaking, yeah. I don't want that. So they consulted doctors, psychiatrists, and their local Lutheran minister, but there was no help. Um, so then the minister was like, "Hey, you need the assistance of the Jesuits." They gave him a ring. Okay. Ring, ring. Jesuits ring. here. <laughs> Hi, yes. We need an exorcism. of them. <laughs> I'll send the first Jesuit. I think we're gonna need two. <laughs> These are the hunklers. Okay. Father E. Hughes, the local Catholic priest, asked his superior's permission. So I'm not really sure. who. What's the superior of a priest? Uh, I, I should know this. I'm from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. He um, asked the superior. Um, um, he asked the, pope? The, the big boy. The, the, mo- the mother superior? He asked the pope. He asked the pope. The archdiocese like, hey. of wherever they live? True. He asked it was probably Lord. that in St. Louis. But he was like, hey, can I perform an exorcism on this Roland guy? His mattress is shaking. Like, we got another one, boys, you know. <laughs> and he so, was like, yeah, hell no. If it's not going bump in the night, then no way. Mm-hmm. Fix that mattress, boy. Exactly. So, he was in over there, Father Hughes, and 
he started the exorcism, but then all of a sudden, Roland broke off a piece of spring from the mattress. Oh, shit. Even though he had been strapped down on it, and then he cut the priest across his shoulders with the spring. What? Yeah. This was like 1940? Tale as old as time. Song (laughs) as old as rhyme. Shit. (laughs) All right, Roland, what you got next, boy? Then a few days later, Mm. red scratches appeared on Roland. One of the scratches formed the word Lois, which indicated to Roland's mother mm -hmm, Uh. that the family needed to go to St. Louis, where the Hunklers had relatives, in order to find a way to save their son. Oh, shut up. So these parents are kind of gullible. I'll be Yeah, what? It just said Louis, not St. Louis, Mom. Hello. She's talking about my crush that I need to go say I have a crush on. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, moms these days. Mm. Those days. The 40s. <laughs> Those days. Those days. <laughs> so a cousin of the family was attending St. Louis University at the time of Roland's issues. Oh. And she put the Hunklers in touch with Father Walter Halloran and Reverend William Bodern. And after consulting with the university's president, these two Jesuits agreed to perform an exorcism on young Roland with the help of several assistants. Because at this point, they were like, "We're going to need all the help that we can get." Some more Jesuits. This boy's wild. See, they didn't. They needed more than one. Mm-hmm. They needed more than two. Which is exactly what you said before. You're right. <sighs> so the men gathered at their residence on Roanoke Drive in early March of 1949. There, the exorcists witnessed scratching on the boy's body and the mattress moving violently. What? Which, okay. Like, even if you... That's, that's So weird. they saw the scratches happening on the body. I guess so, because they do say that they witnessed right. the scratching, not that they, like, saw exactly. the scratching. So... Yeah. Hmm. That's a good cue. Great cue. Great cue. Thanks, guys. Speculation. But the violently <laughs> shaking mattress? That's... That's a little concerning. So amid these bizarre happenings, Bodern and Halloran, according to their reports, noticed a pattern in Roland's behavior. Mm. So he was calm and normal during the day. But then at night, after getting ready for bed, he would exhibit strange behavior, including screaming and wild outbursts. So if you think of the exorcist. You know, right. Why do you have a problem with the night? You know? No, I'd, I'd be screaming no. in the morning, like, bitch, the sun is up! Right? No! Well, but okay. Roland would also enter a trance-like state and start making sounds in a guttural voice. The priest, I mean, how old is he? Maybe this is puberty. (laughs) I don't know. The priest supposedly also saw mysterious flying objects in the boy's presence and noted that he would react violently when he saw any sacred object presented by the attending Jesuits. Mm. Mm. Much to think about. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the majority of the time, it's kids going through puberty who are being possessed because they've got By all this hormones. extra. It's they've got well, they've they've also got all this extra energy for these. Very true. I got three adults for these hand, demons. Though. I got some adults but too. I, yeah, I do but agree with you. They a lot of times, bored. yeah, and just like acting out. Yeah. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. In another incident, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of red lines moved from the boy's thigh. Down to his ankle. Not the thigh of the ankle. I know. Some red... Anything but that pat path. <laughs> no. Thigh to the neck, fine. Thigh yeah. to the ankle. Piece of cake. Deadly. <laughs> These types of things happened every night for more than a month. 
and everyone witnessing the events believed that Roland was possessed by ten demons. Ten? <laughs> Not nine. God, how'd they count them? Not eleven. There were ten different They boxes. asked him who, yeah. Robert! George! <sighs> hey! <laughs> so this next part, it's going to make you think of... The, the Exorcist? Yeah, the okay. On the evening of March 20th, the exorcism reached an unhealthy new level. Oh, it's the vomit. Roland peed all over his bed and began <gasps> shouting and cursing at the priests. Now, Roland's parents were like, enough. We're going to bring you to the hospital because maybe there's something wrong oh, okay. with your noggin. And also, let's get you out of this house. Maybe it's the house. Then on April 18th, a quote miracle, miracle, um, miracle <laughs> on Thirty Fourth Street. On Thirty Fourth Street occurred in Roland's room at the hospital. It was the Monday after Easter, and Roland awoke with seizures, which he had never had before. Hmm. Very bizarre. He yelled at the priest, saying that Satan would always be with him. The priest laid holy relics, crucifixes, medals, and rosaries on the boy, which probably made him a little more upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No. Caused him to seize. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At 10.45 p.m. that evening, the attending priests called on St. Michael to expel Satan from Roland's body. They shouted at Satan, saying that St. Michael would battle him for Roland's soul. Seven minutes later, oh. not six, not eight minutes, seven, Roland came out of his trance and simply said, He's gone. The boy recounted how he had a vision that St. Michael vanquished Satan on a great battlefield. Hmm. I almost feel like maybe Roland was fucking with these I think he was fucking, and then he didn't like the hospital food. I think he, he was, was fucking. Like, I want to go home. <laughs> he was fucking with them. Yeah, he didn't want to be at the hospital, so he was like, all right. Yeah, because that food over. sucks. Mm-hmm. So no one would have known about the exorcism of Roland if it were not for the article in the Washington Post, which reported in late 1949, that priests had indeed performed an exorcism, and the case wouldn't make headlines again for more than two decades. Uh, so then in 1971, William Blatty, Blatty, B-L-A-T-T-Y, uh, he wrote The Exorcist, which became a best-selling book. And then the hit movie came out in 1973. Linda Blair. Wow. So that's that's a little uh, piece into what um, could have inspired. Wow. Well, no, we know that it inspired the exorcist. Wasn't there another name they called him too? Last name Mannheim or something? Uh, it's hard to say. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that was his real last name. Think, oh, maybe. Uh, I mean, Doe. I mean, Roland Doe was not his real name. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll never well, know, but maybe we will. Maybe we'll find out because he might come visit. I hope not. I hope With to never be possessed. Okay, it's yeah, a thing. I, I think hope. that's something that I'm I'm good on. You know, because yeah. I personally, I have enough trouble of my own, and it's like you double that trouble, she's dead. Yeah. True. Yeah. Don't double the trouble. All right, Sorry, I'm about don't. to double the trouble though. Shoot. With a guy. Arnie Cheyenne Jackson. Never you ever heard of him? Yeah. All right, well, you're about to. So, the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Jackson, also known as the Devil Made Me Do It case, uh huh, is the first known court case in the U.S. where the defense sought to prove innocence based upon the defendant's claim of demonic possession. Sam. 
and their denial of personal responsibility for a crime. Huh. How do you think that went? Solid. <laughs> yes, exactly. So on November 24th, 1981, in Brookfield, Connecticut, um, Johnson was convicted of first-degree manslaughter for killing his landlord, Alan Bono. No. Oh, Bono. Yeah. So rewind... <laughs> to July 3rd of 1980, um, a young boy named David Glatzel, who was 11 years old at the time, he wakes up screaming that a man with big black eyes, a thin face, and animal features, and jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns, and hoofs came to him in the night. Kyle. The beast man, David called him, told him to beware. Oh. What? Yeah. So, his family said that his whole demeanor changed. He went from being this, like, happy-go-lucky little guy to being quiet all the time, super nervous. So, they, like, immediately noticed a change in him after these night terrors started. Mm. I mean, Mm. yeah. So, his sister, Debbie, asked her fiancé to stay with the family um, to see if they could help David get out of his funk. You know, cool older guy in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that fiance? Who do you think it was? Who? Arnie. Arnie. Who is she? It's a guy we didn't know. <laughs> Wait, I called him Jackson and Johnson. Yeah, you, I feel like I've heard several different people. You guys. Presidents. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I read so many articles on this man. Let's call him Jay. <laughs> we'll call him Arnie. Arnie Jay, how are ya? Oh. I think it's Johnson. All right, yeah, it's Arnie Johnson. Okay. I don't know who the hell Jackson is, but sometimes I type crazy stuff. All right, so this kid. Arnie. Funky stuff. Arnie's coming to stay with the family. So shit did not get better. Mm. David had more nightmares of the beast man who promised to take his soul. That's Hell right. no. Yeah. Uh, odd scratches and bruises began to appear on him. Mm-hmm. And the injuries seemed to happen when he was sleeping. So. Sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Roland, not to me. Yeah. Uh-oh. Odd noises started coming from the attic. Uh, no one could figure out any reasonable answer as to why this was happening. Um, worst of all, David began to see the beast man while he was awake. This sounds like that movie, like, what is that movie where the kid sees, like, the devil beast? Damn it. There's I, so I feel many. I like I've said this before and somebody thought it was crazy. We'll figure it out. Okay. Um, he said that the beast would appear to him as an old man with a white beard dressed in a flannel shirt and jeans. That's a good look. Scary as That's hell. That's my go-to look for fall. Yeah. Wow. So. What a stud. Yeah. yeah. The Glatzel family had nowhere else to go, so they turned to the church, which is, you know, that's what the people do. Where would I go? I don't have a church. To a hospital. I guess. So, <laughs> a priest came to the home and blessed it, which seemed to do a little more than just piss off this beast man, because... Oh, God. Shit started popping off. Uh-oh. The sounds in the attic got louder. His dreams and daytime visions got worse. He saw them more often. And so, David starts to hiss at his family and speak in multiple voices, a classic sign of possession. Uh He started to quote Paradise Lost, 
<laughs> which like why? Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. And then during the night, someone in the family would have to stay up and watch David because he would wake up every thirty minutes having seizures. <gasps> Shit, yeah, shit sucked around there, basically. Sucked. Mm -mm. Yeah. So, the priest wasn't sure what to do, so he reaches out to Ed and Lorraine Warren, who... Oh, Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We know them. I don't know what you guys think of Ed and Lorraine. I think they might have been quacks. Oh, okay. You think? I was wondering if you had deep respect. I don't know. I don't have an opinion. There are a lot of people who think that they're charlatans. I... I don't, I don't, well, I wasn't there to say. Oh, yeah, we weren't there. on, like, some miracle happening with them around, but I'm sure that they truly believed in what they were doing. I think they believed in what they were doing when they started, and then they realized that that it was, like, getting them some sort of notoriety, and then I think they may have lost some credibility. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's my hypothesis. But what do I know? So the Warrens take a trip from Monroe to Burkefield so that Ed can speak with David. And Lorraine watched as Ed interviewed him. Ed would always do the interviews because he was like an ex-cop, so he knew all about Uh this stuff. He could tell if you were faking it kind of thing. Yeah. So she later explained what she saw to People magazine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A classic. A classic. A, an award-winning okay, publication. She just wanted to warn everyone. Yeah. So she says. That's why she knew how. Yeah. People. People. So she said, while Ed interviewed the boy, I saw a black, misty form next to him, which told me we were dealing with something of a negative nature. Yeah. Soon the child was complaining that invisible hands were choking him, and there were red marks on him. He said that he had the feeling of being hit. No. So the Warrens are like. He's 100% possessed. That's a direct quote that they gave to People Magazine. No more questions. <laughs> He's possessed. So... Was this a People exclusive? I don't know, and they didn't actually say he's 100% possessed. I made that up. <laughs> that was a direct quote from me. Well, they were like, no joke. But I, it was believable, possessed. right? Yes. Possessed AF. So there's some question as to what happened next. Um... So, the Diocese of Bridgeport admits that they did investigate the Glatzel case, but they've never spoken more than that. So, they won't confirm or deny the possession, just that they did investigate. Hmm? Uh, According to Lorraine, um, the Warrens, along with the four priests, had three exorcisms to free David from the hold of... Y'all want to guess how many demons? Ten. Forty-three! Damn! (laughs) A lot. 43. That's a lot. I know. How do they... How, how do does they he keep up? I'm telling you, it's the voices. It is They're the voices. Different. They've had 43 different voices come what? out of this kid? Yeah. Patrick! <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, wow. my God. So, um, during... <laughs> during one of the exorcisms for David, old Johnson... He taunted the demons. Oh, yeah. Bastard. And Good he mistake. went as far as to claim that they were too frightened to even try and enter him. <laughs> come on. Come on, guy. Come yeah. on, get in me. Nice. Yeah, so, enter me. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> so, when the exorcism was over, the Warrens actually called the police and were like, y'all need to keep an eye out on this guy because he, yes, we're pretty sure he stirred some shit up. Mm. And they were like, we're getting out of here. Mm. Okay. So, 
It's November 1980. Things seem okay. David's parents have been taking him to a psychiatrist and their family physician, and according to the doctors, he's a normal kid. He's got a slight learning disability, but other than that, he's a pretty chill dude. He still had trouble sleeping, though, but it's like, if I went through that shit, would I ever sleep again? Hard yeah, to say. Good cue. Um, another cue. Yeah. Because this was 70s? This was the 80s. Early 80s. Okay, so when mental illness was, like, a real thing in the 90s, right? Like, schizophrenia became, like, a diagnosis, mm-hmm. right? That... I feel like there were things sooner, but... Because I know, like, they got rid of all the institutes, like, in the 60s. Yeah. So it's pretty close. Yeah. I thought they closed a lot of them in the early 90s because of funding, lack of funding. Maybe that was it. Huh. But still, so that's, like, kind of around the time where people didn't really, like, wrap their head around mental illnesses like yeah, that. Yeah, there was definitely more awareness, I think. Yeah. The 80s and 90s. Uh-huh. Uh, so. Questions? Yeah. Kids, we need to come back to you. Yeah, so David, David's doing okay, but his sister Debbie and our friend Arnie Johnson, they move into their own apartment, which is rented out by this guy, Alan Bono. Okay? Okay. So, Arnie had changed. Something was different. He's 19 years old. I don't know if I told you guys that. No more flannels? I just knew he was a cool No, kid. that was the demon. Oh. The demon is a monster in flannels and jeans. There's a fine line. <laughs> yeah. Arnie's a 19-year-old. Okay. But a yeah. cool guy. So, in all his 19 years, he'd never gotten in trouble. He was, you know, a good guy, they say. But according to Debbie... He started going into these trances where he would growl at nothing and claim to see the Beast Man. Okay. Yeah, so when he'd come out of the trances, he didn't remember a fucking thing. Then he started getting in trouble with the police. No. Nothing that crazy, but definitely out of the ordinary for someone who's not a usual troublemaker. So. He was caught with acid. I, it's hard to say what he was up to. Well, the specifics weren't there. And boys around the in, ages of 19, 20, yeah. 21. Mm-hmm. So, it's really hard to say. But, so, February 16th, 1981 rolls around. Arnie calls out of work that day, and he goes to hang out with his gal, Debbie. Little Debbie. Debbie's little cousin, Mary, and her sister, oh, and his sister, Wanda. They work at a kennel. All right. Okay. okay. Um, also, the little cousin's like nine years old. I don't know. It was President's Day, they said. She's out of school. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So. They're just hanging. The gang. The gang's goofing around. Alan Bono, the landlord, shows up and he offers to take them all out to lunch at a local bar. I don't know why he showed up there, why their landlord's hanging out with them. It's all weird, but. The day my landlord comes to bring me out to lunch. <laughs> yeah. So. And on day. On, pre- day. on this day, my favorite holiday. <laughs> of a president. Me? Lunch? You're going to take me for a burger? <laughs> so, depending on what reports you read, either both Arnie and Alan were drinking a serious amount of booze at lunch, or it was just Alan. Hmm. One or the other. So, either way, when everyone returned back to the... They all go back to the kennel. Um, there's an uneasiness in the room. The an awkwardness. Is... The landlord's with them. The landlord... Alan. Alan. Okay. I just want to yeah. make sure we're talking about Alan. Okay. Yeah. So, 
Why is Alan hanging around? Uh, that's what's we so have... weird is why did he show up to hang out with them? So that's just maybe he needed to die. It's oh god. <laughs> All right. So there's an uneasiness. Something's weird. Mm. So an argument breaks out between Johnson and Bono, Arnie and Alan, mm-hmm. and Mr. Johnson. He starts hissing. <laughs> Arnie. His classic trick. Yeah. <laughs> and so Debbie fears the worst, and she's trying to get the girls out of the room, but Mr. Bono was faster, and he grabs little Mary and refuses to let her go. What? No. Yeah. Yo, if somebody's hissing at me, I'm out. Hostage. I'm like, out. Yeah. I'm like, you're right. So. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're right. I'm gonna go. So Arnie Back Johnson pulls out a knife and stabs Alan in the stomach <gasps> and pulls the knife up and creates an incision that reaches all the way to Bono's heart. Jeez, dude. Yeah. That was not his first. Yeah, he was ready. Bit. Right? He's done that before. He then stabbed Alan a few more times before leaving the scene. Dude was pissed. Yeah. So, Mr. Martin Manella, Arnie's lawyer, was the one who came up with the idea of pleading... Not guilty by virtue of possession. So, he had found two cases in England where demonic possession was used as a plea, though neither of those cases ever went to trial. Still, he thought it was worth a shot. Why wouldn't you claim that it's because he took this girl? I don't know. He was, like, harassing us. So, he shot that shot, and it did not work. (laughs) The judge refused to accept this plea. There was an attempt. Yeah. And there was no proof of the possession, so that's why the judge was like, bullshit, no. Mm. So then, when that plan goes out the window, Manila, Manila? Manila. Manila Folder. Went with what would have been most people's first choice, plead self-defense. Yeah. Because that guy grabbed the little girl, exactly. Okay. So, like I said earlier, the jury found him guilty of first-degree manslaughter. They gave him a 10 to 20-year sentence. He only served... Five years. Oh, good. Yeah. But uh, Arnie and old sister Debbie, they got married as soon as he was released, and they're still together. To this day. Mm-hmm. They're still kicking it. If they're still alive. I'm pretty sure they are. That's not that old. Are you guys still alive? Hello? <laughs> so, obviously, this trial's a real hot topic in 1981 because, you know pretty wild stuff and it led to a tv a made-for-tv movie being made called the demon murder case it stars (laughs) kevin bacon (gasps) and andy griffith oh my god we haven't seen this yeah is andy the landlord he is i (laughs) i think he i mean i don't know for sure i think he might be the 19 year old no Kevin Bacon, I think it's the kid. Oh. Oh, yeah. And I think it's 1980, a... 1980, that's a young Kev. It's a yeah. young Kev. So, and then there's also a book called The Devil in Connecticut. Yes, I have that at my house. Do you really? Back that's in Massachusetts. Oh, that's so that's what oh, this is a, about. Mom, was that your book? Or Dad, was that your book? Let us know. Mm-hmm. Julia? That's my sister. <laughs> we know who Julia is. So... <laughs> I'm telling the people. <laughs> so in 2006, the book... They actually reprinted it and became a bother for the families involved. So the Glatzel family sued the publisher and the author, saying that it violated their right to privacy, it was libelous, and that it intentionally caused emotional distress to the family. could see that. Yeah. Uh, David and his brother, 
claimed that the possession story was a hoax created by the Warrens so that they could exploit David's mental illness. Come on, Warrens. Yeah. Both Lorraine and Gerald Brittle, who um, wrote the book The Devil in Connecticut, deny David and Carl's claims. Hmm. Uh, They eventually settled that lawsuit out of court in 2012 on February 16th, which was exactly 31 years to the day of the death of Alan Bono. From the stab. Wow. Yeah. When did they sue them for libel and... 2006. Okay. Wow. And then they settled. By now you'd be like, I think he has some mental problems. Yeah, (laughs) by now they figured it all out. Yeah. Well, Well, y'all want to hear one uh, that's pretty recent? Yeah. Because you don't, because that's why it's so interesting that you guys had all these ones from like the forties and the seventies, eighties. It's like I thought it was a big time of like people going crazy, yeah. and they were just claiming them either possessed or crazy, and they need to be shocked, you know. But this was in two thousand four. Oh shit! Uh-huh. Have you ever heard of Vincent Lee? Yes. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day about him, and I was like, shit, this is crazy. And then when we talked about doing possessions, I was like, dude fits right in. Yep. (laughs) So July 30th, uh, 2004, some peeps were headed to Winnipeg, Canada on a Greyhound bus. You know, nothing nothing out of the ordinary. I'm going to say I'll never get on a Greyhound. I probably wouldn't have before this happened, but post, never. Never. No, I, I don't think, even before this happened, like, I I, I knew I would be the They're one. always kind of sketchy, right? Always. Well, yeah, any bus. Any bus is sketchy. Any bus is sketch, but gets you to one place the next. Just be safe out no. there, guys. You know? Anyways, nothing out of the norm. They're just cruising down the road. Bus full of people. But that evening, on July 30th, a man was murdered and eaten in front of some terrified and stunned Greyhound bus passengers. <laughs> Flabbergasted, I bet. <laughs> Can you imagine that? No. No. I cannot. Alright, so Mr. Vincent, Mr. Vincent Lee, he was a 40-year-old man from China who was in Canada. He um he went by the name of Will Baker and he was boarding the bus to go to Winnipeg for some reason. He said he was applying to jobs because he had lost his gig wherever he was and mm. needed a new start. So he was off to Winnipeg. He was sitting on the Greyhound bus that night next to Mr. Tim McLean, a 22-year-old Canadian who was on his way home after a carnival job. A carny. He was a carny, yeah. Um, yeah, he was He was on his way home, sleepy, sleepy Tim. Yeah. He took a little, took a little snooze napper, yeah. as Emily would say. Took a little cat nap, yeah. you know. On the Greyhound. Next thing he knew, he was waking up to Mr. Vincent Lee, stabbing him viciously, and attacking him with his knife. With a fucking machete, wasn't it? It, it was something like that. Yeah. So Vincent was just another passenger? Yeah. yeah. He, and Vincent, they had exited the bus one night, like, had stayed overnight somewhere, and he, the next day he got on, sat next to Tim. Do you think he had those bath salts? Well, listen, I'm going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> So he stabbed him in the neck, the back. He was Mm-mm. 
just stabbing them everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because it was doing it almost like calmly and like robotically. Like he like didn't flinch. It was just like like the girl over. that yeah. put the dust on the other girl's head. Exactly, demon. Yes. <laughs> like what else could that be? A, yeah. de a dusty demon. <laughs> Double D. <laughs> <laughs> oh my All right. lord. So as soon as it started happening, obviously everybody starts freaking out. The bus pulls over. Driver and a couple guys try to go get Vincent to stop him and save Tim. Vincent comes at them with the knife, chases them all off the bus. So they're all off the bus now, and they see him just continuing to just mutilate this man. He starts severing the guy's head off. Ew. Mm -hmm. With yeah. a machete? Yep. Yep. Okay. And then he starts to eat him. Okay. He starts eating the flesh okay. of Tim. And uh, he also taunts the people outside with Tim's He's, head. like, holding the head. He's holding the head oh, up. My yeah. God. it in the window and, like, laughing. And this went on for a while, right? It took a while for someone to get there. Yes. They were on, like, the side of the road. You know? Yeah. Be, like, thrown up. <laughs> I, can you imagine? <laughs> Like, watching somebody out. who you just saw, alive and well, getting their head severed off, and then somebody's eating them. Yeah. And it's, and making it normal and almost, like, humorous. Mm -hmm. No. Well, finally the cops came, shut that shit down. Um, but, so, obviously, all the evidence in the world puts so the tie. Tim's dead. Rest in peace. Poor tip. But... We got all this evidence. Vin uh, Vincent obviously just murdered this man. He should be in jail for yeah. life. Yeah. Well, no. He, <gasps> well, you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. He's a free man. You know why? To this day? Yeah. Because homeboy claimed he was possessed by God. <laughs> How did uh -huh. this fly? He said that God's voice was telling him to go to Winnipeg. Because of aliens. There was going to be an alien attack on the country, and he needed to save everybody. And as he was on the bus, sitting next to Tim, an overwhelming voice came through saying that Tim was an alien, and he was going to harm people on the bus, and Vincent needed to get rid of him. So he's schizophrenic. Yeah. But he's a free man running around. Right. Unmedicated. So, but in 2004, at the trial, they took that claim. Actually, maybe it was 2008. Canada. 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 2008, they, they, they took that, they put him in a hospital just to be watched. That was it. 2012, he's a free man who, who, who from doctors say that he's fine and he understands now that he's a schizophrenic and he takes his medicine. And Vincent says he is so sorry. Yep. To all the people he has severely damaged for the rest of their lives. What happened to the Asian guy looking for a new job who's sitting That next was to Vincent Lee. That was Vincent Lee. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> what did you think I was talking about the whole time? Tim was the guy who was deceased. Vincent is... The reason... You got the... Oh, because you said he went by the oh, name Oh, he did. Of, okay. He went by a more, like, um, you know... This whole time I was just picturing him just um, sitting calmly next to him and someone... And Vincent came up from behind. He, he went by sense. Will Baker. Will Baker. Uh -huh. But his name was Vincent, Vincent Lee. He's changed his name since. Probably. And he's just he's a walking man. around. Hanging around. Schizophrenic guy. It's pretty fucked up. Who has chopped off a head and ate 
the person. Didn't he put some parts in his pocket? Yeah, he did. No, he he put like the nose or like ears. Yeah, and when they got when they got him, they were like, "What the (laughs) fuck, dude?" Yeah, is this a tooth? It is crazy to me though. It's so insane. All he got was hospital, and now he's free. Come on, Canada. The worst part to me is that he was like taunting the people. There, I feel like they were like out in the middle of nowhere, and they're just like stopped on the side of the road because some psycho has decided to fucking chop someone's head off, and then he was like fucking with them. Feel like he was like smearing blood on the windows. yeah. 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 He really took a go for it. It's insane. Jesus. And they're like, oh, you guys, let it go. He just needs to take his meds, you know? It's like, no, guys. I'm not safe out here. <sighs> I don't feel safe. I, I don't, don't feel no, safe. No, I don't feel safe with the bath salts. I don't feel safe, you on know. The on what? On the Greyhound. On the Greyhound. Definitely don't feel safe on the Greyhound. <laughs> Sometimes on the Instagram, Snapchats, on the Facebook. It's a like, wild oh, world It's out a there. wild world. What are we going to do? Who are we gonna run to? I don't know. Have you guys heard of Son of Sam? He was David Berkowitz. Yeah, good old David Berkowitz. Oh, David. We're going back in time to 1976, 1977. Um, yeah, you probably know of him as his nickname, Son of Sam. But he was known for basically terrorizing New York City. New York. New York. He lived in Yonkers. Um, gunning down innocent young people in their cars. So he would just, like, go up Bastard. to people, to specifically young people in cars, and just kill them. Um, and as the numbers of victims increased, David basically eluded the biggest police manhunt in the history of New York City, which is insane, if you think about it. And he also left letters that mocked the police and basically said he was going to continue his crimes. And these letters were given to the press and printed. And we could maybe include some of these on our Instagram. Um, But the killing spree was known, like, worldwide, which is crazy. Good old David claimed that Satan possessed his neighbor Sam's dog, and the dog told him to kill people. Not the dog. <laughs> the dog. Damn it. Yeah. And All dogs go to heaven, don't you know? Exactly. And the dog's name is Harvey. The dog was fine. He didn't kill the dog. But Thank God. Upon further questioning, Bergowitz explained that Sam was a 6,000-year-old man inhabiting the body of his Yonkers neighbor, Sam Carr, the oh. owner of the Golden Retriever. Wow, he worshipped his neighbor. He was telling him to kill. Uh, he didn't, did he he, he didn't worship ta- Did him. he ever talk to Sam? It's a good cue. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, he, did he, was he ever like, Sam, am I doing what you want? Yeah, I don't know. Dude, so, follow up, man. He initially claimed possession, which is, I guess, the classic go-to. But then he got a court-appointed psychiatrist, uh, David Abrahamson. And <laughs> he <laughs> said, Abrahamson. <laughs> He said that Berkowitz had long contemplated murder to get revenge at the world that he felt had rejected and hurt him. So he, I think he, yeah, he fought in the Vietnam War and then came back at, like, the age of 21. Mm -hmm. And all of his friends that he grew up with and moved on didn't want to hang out with him anymore, probably because he was a freak. 
Uh, and then also he he somehow found out that his birth mother was nearby and alive. He tracked her down, was excited to meet her, and she, she was, was like not... less than enthused to meet him and see him. So he was angry Messed and up. lonely. Yeah. And probably had a little bit of PTSD, but also totally Vietnam. A crazy dude. Right. He had probably all of not these possessed. Issues. Yeah, exactly. Uh, poor guy, really. I mean, <laughs> uh, come on. Come on, I'm kidding. Uh, Berkowitz apparently also claimed that he felt particular anger due to his lack of success with women. Yeah. And that's why he singled out like the young women as victims. Which seems well, to a be lot the of young case for a lot of women. serial killers. <gasps> Emily, watch out. Yo, do we think <laughs> do we think like a lot of like murderers and serial killers probably are like schizophrenic with, or like autistic maybe or like something's wrong with them mentally? Maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, you have wouldn't. you have to. There right. has to be oh, right, something right. or like a trauma. There. I mean, there's always something. There's always some family mental. family drama, head trauma, underlying mental illness. <sighs> I mean, I have a head trauma. Did you hit your head when you were I a kid? Didn't get it freaking checked. No, it's probably a cyst. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! I was like I Emily. Like I know. <laughs> All right, back to David. Berkowitz. So they put him, they, meaning the, he was court ordered to stay at a few psychiatric hospitals. Um, and a lot of doctors said, oh no, he seems perfectly fine and stable, which I'm like, okay, maybe that's more of like a sociopathic tendency, or maybe he was schizophrenic and he had episodes and then he was acting normal. Who knows? Not me. Mm-mm. But he eventually ended up at the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York, which I've never heard of. Uh, and then he became a, a Christian. <laughs> Don't they all? Evangelical Christian. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so after his admission to the Sullivan prison, Berkowitz began to claim that he had joined a satanic cult. In the spring of 1975. Wait, he went from <clears throat> evangelic whatever? I'm sorry, this was before. Oh, okay. Sorry. Ready? Like, Rewind. Rewind. <laughs> before he became an evangel- evangelical Christian, he claimed that he had joined a satanic cult. Huh. And then he also said in a press conference that the demonic possession of his neighbor's dog was a hoax. It was a lie. Well, duh. Fast forward. <laughs> you dummy. Fast forward. He's that wasn't maybe facts, y'all. Okay. not getting the attention he wants. I don't know. But he decided to become a Christian. And then soon after his imprisonment, Berkowitz invited, uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying the first name right, Malachi, Malachi Martin, who was an exorcist, to help him compose an Malachi. 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 He's Italian. To help him compose an autobiography, but the offer was not accepted. Malachi. <laughs> That's what you call it. Malachi. Hey. Malachi Kalachi. Hey, Malachi. What are you going to do? Come down to the what prison. What are you going to do? Oh, my God. And he's a Kalachi. <laughs> I want a fucking Kalachi Malachi right the Kalachi. Have y'all been to Batch? No. It's a Kalachi yeah. pay. Kalachi pays over here. <laughs> they sell malachis. They sell malachis Not and the kalachis. Malachis. Vegetarian malachis. Oh my god. Malachi. I'll take Malachi. a ham and cheese kalachi. With jalapeno. Jalapeno. 
so well, you guys want to know what Berkowitz is up to now? It's nothing, yeah, it's nothing cool. But is he is he still a Christian? Yep, and he's developed his memoirs making kolaches. The assistance of Christians in his. Statements were released as an interview video called Son of Hope during 1998. Oh, my God. And then he had a more extensive (laughs) work released in book form entitled Son of Hope, The Prison Journals of David Berkowitz. Kill me. He may. Uh, Fuck him. No. I am. I mean... We'll protect you at all costs. The fun part of the story is that he says that he was summoned... By a dog. By his neighbor's dog. Yeah. A golden retriever. A golden retriever. Out of all the dogs, I just don't think a golden Harvey. retriever. I'm gonna would get want. a. I'm gonna get a golden retriever and name it Harvey. Poppy Menace, I think, would possess somebody real good. I, yeah. She's an evil oh, little Holly witch. Possesses me every single time I watch mm-hmm. the apartment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's These terrifying. Kids. These freaking kids. Mm-hmm. All right. You ever heard of Anna Eklund? Oh yeah, she was pretty. Was she? <laughs> I think Kylie's making that up. No, I can't no, tell. she's pretty. Okay. Pictures. Have you seen pictures? Yeah. All right. I'm looking at her so, right now. <laughs> so from the age of 14, she had this growing aversion to holy objects. She was obsessed. Like bagels? <laughs> yes. And she was obsessed with depraved sexuality. What? That's a weird thing to be... Yeah, I don't know. That's just what they say. So she was raised in a Catholic household in Marathon, Wisconsin, and she later ended up finding herself unable to enter churches as it felt like this unforeseen force was holding her back from getting in. Uh, That's how I feel, too. Fortunately, this guy, this priest, Theophilus Resinger? He's friends with Malachi. Yeah, um was able to exercise her demons. Hmm. So she was okay. Good. Then, 1928 rolls around. The Bishop of Des Moines, where Anna's living now, uh, calls on our friend Theophilus to perform yet another exorcism on Anna because she's 46. She's yet again found herself unable to pray or go to church. That same unforeseen force is back. Hmm. Um, She can't even receive the sacraments. What? That connected her to her faith. My God. Yeah, she's having trouble. So... But during this time, from the first time until this time... She's been fine. No problem. She's been fine. In and out of church. Yeah. Huh. So we don't know. Huh. Yeah. So... She says that the spirit's sinister voices have started following her everywhere. They tell her to commit terrible acts, mm-hmm. as she says. Mm-hmm. So she begins to think she's going insane. So Theophilus knew that the demons had come back to finish what they started. And in particular, within the Catholic mythos, um, it's said that whenever something is exercised, they return and they bring seven demons with them. That explains the seven? 43. Why not six? I don't know. Why so, it, 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 whenever... the holy number and six is the... Well, it's demon. It's demonic. Yeah. Probably why. So, whenever they, whenever they bring back these friends, it's almost impossible to do an exorcism. It's too wild. Yeah. So, 
He knew that this exorcism was going to cause backlash because after the first one, Anna was the subject of rumors that she'd been possessed because of her father, Jacob's, incestuous advances toward her. Oh, God. Yeah. And then because her Aunt Mina had practiced black magic. Ooh. Yeah. So Theophilus consulted his friend, Reverend Joseph Steiger of St. Joseph's Parish in Erling, Iowa. And together, they decide to bring Anna to this isolated local convent, and it's run by the Franciscan sisters, and they've spoken with them, and they ensure them privacy and protection so that Anna doesn't go through this shit again. Good. In the public eye, at least. Yeah. So, they receive the Mother Superior's permission, and then they bring Anna to the convent on August 17th, 1928. Hmm. Uh. So... Immediately when she gets there, she refuses food that's been blessed with holy water. She could sense it. Um, She knew it would be sprinkled ahead of time, and she'd start just, like, really freaking out. Um, And then she just started to hiss at food anytime it was near. Like, they could... They could be down... Everyone's hissing, okay? They like to act like they could be. They could be bringing the hallway... (laughs) The hallway. They could be bringing food down the hallway, and she'd start hissing. Like, not even knowing that it was coming. Because she could feel the holy water on it. So she says. So the first of the three um, sessions began. And the next day, they had bound her to this wrought iron bed to prevent, you know, any trickery. And um, (laughs) they did it because the priests basically expected her to go apeshit because... They had so much experience in this, they'd seen it before. But, like, yo, if she can hear you a mile away, she gonna get out that chain. Yeah, so they <laughs> they knew she was gonna attack when they tried something. So they also had the strongest sisters. Oh, the sisters? Uh, on the on sisters. standby. Yeah. The strongest of sisters. The strongest. Oh. So. Poor girls. But, yeah. again, when you need a hand, call a sister. It's mm-hmm. true. So they start speaking the prescribed. P- Prescribed prayers. Say that three times fast. Prescribed prayers. Prescribed prayers. It's hard. So, Anna, as soon as they start saying these prayers, Anna sinks into this deep sleep, and her eyes are shut, like, impossibly tight. She just looks wild as all hell. (laughs) So, then they officially begin the rite of the exorcism, and she leaps into the air. She rips through the restraints. And she's clinging to the wall above the the door frame in the room. Monkey. Right? So, Theophilus, he's not even phased by this, and he's like, get her down. <laughs> get her down. Get her so, down. So, the sisters, they rip her down, <laughs> and they throw her back into the bed, and they restrain her. She starts making these inhuman howling sounds, and that those sounds last through the end of the session, on August 26th, which, when did they start? August 17th. Damn. So she was just, oh, oh, oh! Yeah. Yeah, for, for, a, for a while. Days. So, they do two more sessions. The next one is, it starts on September 13th, and it goes through the 20th of September. And then the third session starts on December 15th, and it ends on the 23rd. So, she, Anna, is deteriorating fast. Thing. Um, she's eating less and less, but she's vomiting regularly and hissing a lot. Yeah. Um, 
Some t- she starts vomiting up things she hadn't consumed, like tobacco leaves and debris. I was going to say, what was <gasps> what? she vomiting? Because she didn't have anything. Yeah, it was things she like hadn't even bile. eaten. Ugh. Yeah. Um, it's messed up. She and was sneaking that tobacco when they weren't looking. <laughs> the <laughs> demon, butts. the demons inside of her also begin to physically change and distort her body. So at one point, her head swelled and elongated, and her face <gasps> became so disfigured that nobody even recognized her. Mm-mm. And um, she, by the end of this, all she had become so pale and deathly, and she had this like, glowing red ember look to her eyes sometimes. That's what um, nicotine diet will do to you guys. <laughs> true. Um, she would respond to the priest's actions by foaming at the mouth. Same. Oh, wait. Did I tell you guys about that commercial I did for my brother's class one time? Where they had they put Alka Seltzer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did not. We'll have to watch it later. Oh, it's a classic. Um, and then on one occasion, her, they said that her body expanded to twice its normal size, and the sisters in the room started freaking out because they thought she was going to burst. <gasps> like my dream, and like, explode a spider. Yeah. Oh. Um, Violet's turning violet. <laughs> she also spoke in languages she had never heard before, and she definitely didn't know how to speak. A classic of possessions. Yeah, and she could list the childhood sins of the nuns and the priests around her. What? So what? she knew all their shit. Um, so in a, in a really short amount of time, several sisters asked to leave and go to a less troubled convent. So I don't blame them. Yeah. yeah, don't be speaking don't be speaking my truths. I'm not sticking around. <laughs> Damn it. So by the final session she had she was putting off this god awful inhuman odor. It smelled like rot. There were hordes of flies that would appear and disappear around her. Um and they said that sometimes her body seemed to turn to stone, especially in her abdomen and her arms and legs. Like they would just look so stiff and they wouldn't move. Did they knock on it? That I don't know. Uh. When she would do this, she would bend the wrought iron bed underneath of her. Damn, girl. Yeah. Um, And then that's this... She apparently had this really soft-spoken voice, but it turned into this guttural growl, and she was making, like, inhuman noises, like, impossible noises. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I witnessed this, I would believe... And demons. I mean, right? It, yeah, if I and saw angels. some child speak in Latin that I knew for sure never oh, yeah. heard it. <laughs> and then even as she was sleeping, these creatures would come to the surface. They would whisper without moving her lips, <laughs> cursing God. They would <laughs> and they would verbally assault people in the room. But they held on hope. You like, know, they were like Delva bitch. Like right, they were gonna get they were gonna get her through this though. Mm. But the more they hoped, the closer to evil they got. This gang of folks was in the thick of it. Wow. So um, when directly asked about the spirits within her, she listed off several with Beelzebub as their leader. Oh wow, Beelzebub! <gasps> is that him calling? Where, Where is, is this? I'm scared. Hello? Hello. Beelzebub? Is it you? Who is Beelzebub? I can't talk right now. 
He's a very, very bad demon. Um, oh. However, she noted that she'd been possessed at the command of her father, Jacob, and her aunt um, with the help of Lucifer. So she's, oh. she said that they were the ones who wanted her to be possessed again, and that's why it happened. A fallen angel. Yeah. So, yeah. By her account, the first exorcism had failed because they... Um, I feel like the first try, they always... They usually do. Yeah. Because um, she said her family had been poisoning her food with cursed spices. With what What are the cursed spices? Cursed Cursed spices. Cursed spices? Yeah, she wasn't down for the curry on Friday night. They spiced... (laughs) They cursed the spices and then they gave them to her. It's a good band name. Yeah. Um, God, we have so many. I know. Yeah. And she said that her father and her aunt were damned and had joined in with the demons because of her dad sexually assaulting her and because her aunt had four abortions in her lifetime. So Anna was pissed. Yeah. (laughs) So when they would ask what business the spirits had with her, a voice claiming to be Judas finally replied to bring her to despair so that she will commit suicide and hang herself. Oh, that's that's pretty fucking rough, y'all. I feel personally attacked by Judas. <laughs> so, once they identified the demons, they're like, we got this shit on lock. We figured we it out. We know what's up. So, on December 23rd, 1928, they, um, the team, they're, they're beat, you know? How could you they're not tired. be? It's the Christmas um, season. Oh. So... They look as if they've aged 20 years. Like, everyone who's been involved in this... Oh, my gosh. It's rough. So, um, just a few... So, it was, like, just a few days had passed, and it looked like they had aged. Huh. Pretty crazy. So, um, before it all ended, they would experience... um, Visions of hell. And this is the only exorcism where it's been noted that the people performing the exorcism have actually seen visions of hell in the room. Weird. Yeah. How do we know if they're accurate? <laughs> we don't. Um, so they also claim that they saw a crowned Lucifer in the room crowned. and a, and a wow. hairy Beelzebub. And they would they would be confined to the corner of the room though because it was a sacred space and they couldn't actually hurt what? anybody. But they said that they could see them like fighting to try oh to get to them. Ew. Yeah. So as soon as the possession is over, they've helped old girl out. <laughs> she stands up right on her bed and collapses, screaming at the top of her lungs. Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina, hell, hell, hell. Wow. Yeah. She repeats it several times, and then this, like, unearthly stench just passes through the room. She opens her eyes, like, everything's fine, um, and then spoke in her own voice after months of not having... She was speaking in that freaky, guttural voice. She says, my Jesus mercy, praised be Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. She, so she finally let out that fart of all the spices. Yeah, yeah the cursed spices. Exactly. That stench was the curry, Mom. Lucifer was like, "I'm out." What was the question? The exorcism of Emily Rose. Is that based on this? I don't know. The actual name of. I feel them? like so wasn't that similar. one supposedly rumored fake? Like that was that was a fake. 
I don't know. But, so, there were 23 days combined that they actually had these sessions with her. The devils had been returned to hell. Um, she ended up living a pretty peaceful existence. She had her identity concealed. I'm guessing she probably changed her name. Um, the only troubles she had were a few milder possessions. <laughs> as one or, as one or two... Again. As one or miles. two spirits would temporarily return, um... Just to say hi. Yeah. One of the priests, Steiger, though, um, said the demons had threatened to cause his death by car accident. He ended up living out a full life. Okay. Um, and accounts of the case established it as a classic American exorcism. And um, Theophilus Reisinger, the other priest, he became a world-renowned exorcist before he passed away in 1941. World's renowned, wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, this is a thing. Like, there are people in... All over. They, that's their job. Yeah. It's hard to believe, like, now that people are, like, that's still it. That's still yeah, I mean, the diocese are like, hey, we've got this possession in Austin, Texas. Go see this guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there have been any possessions here. We hope. Well, they try to keep them on the down low, though. Because that's what I was interested in, because I feel like I don't hear about them anymore. So I was seeing if there was any recent ones. I think they try and keep them on the down low. I know. Well, yeah. this girl, Susanna, um, she she uh, writes for the New York Post. Mm-hmm. She actually had, like, an interview. Like, she wrote this article and had an interview with NPR um, about this time where she had had symptoms that were, like she was being possessed Mm -hmm. and she like she would talk in tongues she was having seizures yeah and like it it was like something weird was going on but like after a bunch of tests and blood tests and like doctor visits i think she she spent one million dollars on stop where did she get that money well she's i don't know she worked for the new york post exactly how'd she get that money i have no idea (laughs) because she lived in new york i don't know um, but the doctor, Dr. Najjar, who figured it out, he had asked her to draw a circle, and she had to draw 1 through 12 around the circle, and it, supposedly she got the right-hand side of the clock right, but the left-hand side she couldn't do, and so that told him that he, she was exhibiting, like, a spatial brain neglect like the left side of her brain wasn't working Mm. and so this was causing some like schizophrenic and crazy behaviors oh and so they think that maybe that could be said for some of the people back in the day who thought that they were possessed huh but we all i mean we already said we know that they had to probably be mental cases yeah, I yeah. mean, Anna's, though, what was Anna, going on yeah, there? Anna's is suspicious. There are definitely some weird ones where it's like, uh, what's yeah. going on? Makes you wonder. Makes I, you wonder. I was looking at this one article about Anna that was like, this is only supposed to be used for student research and not for paranormal investigation. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah. You should be scared now. And I was like, I didn't use that one. Uh, I was too scared. She was like, oh, no, don't come for me. I got scared. I got scared. Yeah, possessions, though. There are so many more possessions. Have you been possessed? Let us know. Do you know someone who's been possessed? Your mom, your dad, your brother, your dog. Do you think you know someone? 
even if like maybe you just believe it let us know let us know like the dust the dust demon yeah we're gonna have another listener episode headed your way so excited pretty soon so be sure you send those stories in for ghoul talk volume two because we want them we own it we you're gonna get them we're getting excited for Halloween, so. We love it. The spookiest time Spooky of the year. Spooky scary. Yeah. Anything yeah. else? We love it. Anything y'all. new? Anything exciting? I love no. you guys. Yeah. I love everybody who listens. Um, thank you. Just, again, thank you, guys. Thanks. And, like, go subscribe and rate and like and do all the things. Become a patron if you're feeling wild oh on my. Patreon. For real. Okay. Then we can send everyone stickers. Then we can send you guys all the things. Yeah. Yeah. You can get ghoul merch. You can get merch. Mm -hmm. We love that. Like us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. All the stuff, you know. Until next time, stay spooky. Ooh. Ooh. Exorcism. (laughs) Ha ha.